Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, Thursday, Silver Sevens. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. Knights win, Knights win, Knights win. We'll get to the Knights here inside of three minutes. What's trending at 2 o'clock? Adam Hill. I know you're a big fan of Albert Pujols. I don't know if you are. Um, but he has been dumped by the Angels. Unceremoniously dumped. 41 years old. One of the legends of the game. Cut. It's it's a weird thing because, you know, analytically and, and from a, you know, sports breakdown perspective, you're like, yeah, of course. It's the right thing. It's time to move on. And the Angels are doing the right thing, if not a little late. Probably should have done this last year, a year before even. Well, the problem is they signed him into a 10-year, $240 million deal. This is the final year, and they didn't do what a lot of teams do, which is either go high on the front end or the middle and then fade at the back end. It kept going up and up and up. And, yeah, at 41 years old, he's hitting 192. He's owed $30 million, and now he's a free agent as L.A. has cut him. Yeah, and, I, you know, like I said, I think when you look at this as a, you know, as somebody who likes to take emotion out of it and just say, all right, yeah, time to go, move on, next guy. But there is, I think, a moment for for any baseball fan, really. What a run, great career. You know, there's certainly questions about his career, but, uh, you know, great career and kind of sad to see just kind of fall off the cliff and just unceremoniously dumped at this point. But I also get it. Jerry Remy was talking about it today uh, during one of the day games. End of an era, to me, it's sad to see the older guys like that who uh, kind of hang around a little bit too long. Uh, to me, it's a bit like Ali fighting as deep as he did when he shouldn't have been fighting. I mean, That's you know, it's not the worst comparison if, uh, you know, a boxer can still get, you know, market rate. And in this case, you know, the funny thing is $30 million is a lot, but it's, it's actually not, it's not among the highest anymore. No. Uh, and the original deal of 10 and 240 is kind of laughable for a guy of his credentials. But at the time, that was a monster deal. And it was a big deal, too, because remember how the Cardinals fans reacted. Um, best fans in baseball, <laughs> self-anointed, uh, and they crapped all over Pujols. So. But, you know, in the end, a lot of the Cardinal fans were right because um, he really never produced with the Angels like he did with the Cardinals. For sure. And, by the way, like, I, you know, you, you're comparing it to athletes of the past. Like, I'm kind of going through it right now. Miggy. Oh, I thought you were going through it on radio. No. Like, these are your last legs, <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. sticking around, and, like, what's the point? Well, I was thinking more you. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, like, letting you hang on. <laughs> like, you're an old man fading away. Struggling. Like, oh, yeah, let him, let him stick around. No, with Miggy. Miguel Cabrera. It, it's he hitting, like, 98? I mean, I think it's higher. He's in the 100s, but, he, like, he hit a home run opening day. And you're like, all right, Miggy's bouncing back. And I watched him in spring training. I was like, man, he's really swinging the bat well. It looks spry. Looks young again. This is going to be a great year. Oof. And just every time he comes up, you're just – and he's right in the middle of the lineup, and there's guys on base, and you, you just shake your head and say it's not going to happen. And if there's a guy on first, you know it's going to be a double play. It's just – it's sad. Here's the difference. Pujols is owed the rest of 30. I think Cabrera's owed upwards of still $100 million. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a conundrum for sure. 
uh, for the Tigers it, because they, they don't have, I mean, I was going to say they don't have money. They have plenty of money. They don't spend it. And a, a huge portion of your payroll is be, being eaten up by a guy who's just not hitting at all. Massive game last night for the Vegas Golden Knights, especially on the heels of Monday when they completely blew it. They could add a, a you know safe cushion going into the second game against the Wild. They haven't been good against the Wild all year long, going 1-5-1. One, and, one. and last night when they needed to dig deep, they got it done. Yeah, they, they're up one nothing uh, with a goal in the second period, a really pretty nice goal after forcing a turnover in the neutral zone. They come down, go ahead, and then the Wild come out and score two in the third period. And you're, you're just thinking, okay, this is – this is how it goes against the Wild, no matter what happens. You know, Monday night they had a, a big lead and somehow let it slip away in the third period. And yesterday they have a lead in the third period again and let it slip away with some late goals. It's just what happens. Either they fall behind or if they go ahead, they they fall behind in the end uh, when they play the Wild. It's just been a house of horrors, especially up there uh, in Minneapolis. But the, the Knights find a way. They tie it late, get the goal in overtime, get the two points, and almost as importantly – get the avalanche to lose too so uh the avalanche were a big favorite last night in san jose they get them to lose the knights get a dramatic victory and uh a big big swing yesterday for the golden knights who could have very easily lost that game that they were losing late and the you would imagine that the avalanche you would think we're going to beat the sharks could have been a much much different story today instead uh they hit this stretch run with a little bit of cushion all right what do they have to do down the stretch here at a minimum well, obviously the game against the Avalanche is going to be massive. Uh, that's a four-point swing potentially uh, if somebody wins in regulation there. So that that's the big one. If they win that one, uh, they are very, very comfortable. That's second-to-last game of the season uh, at the Fortress home finale. Yeah. On the 10th. That's Monday. It's Monday night. It's a big, huge game. And so the Knights have you know a couple games here coming up this weekend. Uh, then they got the, the weird game to end the year, which was a rescheduled one. Uh, but for right now, I mean, all eyes are going to be on that game Monday because, yeah, it's not the, you know, they could still lose the division even if they win that game, and they could still win the division even if they lose that game. So it's not the ultimate decider, but it is going to be the most important game here down the stretch. A lot more Knights talk coming up. We're going to have uh, Curtis Terry in, in the 3 o'clock hour actually here at the set at Silver 7s to talk some football, some basketball. But up next, our guy on Thursdays in the 2 o'clock hour, attorney out of Chicago, legal analyst, Xavier Pope is going to be with us. I'm going to hit him with, uh, let's see, a little bit of meditation talk, some Johnny Cash and Justin Fields. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights Hockey Game Nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and Company. It's a Thursday live here at Silver 7s. That means in our first hour, we always check in with Xavier Pope. What's going on, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I hope you're fired up for this. Uh, you know, I've, Obviously, I follow you on your timeline. Uh, you can see the ebbs and flows of uh, Xavier's life. And I saw last week you were meditating and you said you were you cried. Is everything okay? Everything is all right. Man. All right. Uh, I think that um, self-care is extremely important. To me. So um, I think that men particularly should be in touch with themselves and their emotions. Uh, I've been doing this really great meditation um, over the last uh, few weeks. That's really been about just opening yourself up, letting out a good cry, letting out a good laugh. So not in an emo way, just in a, just in a hey, you, you feel what you feel. I wasn't asking to shame you. I actually, I've been watching a bunch of documentaries lately, and I find myself at times 
starting to leak a bit when I watch inspirational stuff go down and heroic stuff go down. I'm going to give you a really, this might be a cheesy example. I've been watching the the Ken Burns country music documentary. It's eight episodes, but I was watching a good part of it on Johnny Cash. And I didn't realize like how inspirational that dude was and how many times he stuck his neck out for others, you know, stood up for years for native Americans. So I know it's a weird way to come back to you, you crying, but I, as I'm watching, I'm like, God, that is, that is inspirational. I was getting like really, worked up yeah I, I think that's, that's that's great that you that you look into that um in terms of being connected to yourself emotionally um i think that more men should do it um i think that more people should do it i saw your picture the other day you know you're uh, you're vegan you're always being real creative on social media i have to tell you the other time i cried was when i saw you eating chickpea pasta dude, <laughs> dude, dude i love pasta chickpea pasta can't be good it is. Um, there's a really great brand um, for them in terms of they haven't sent me a check, but Bonza <laughs> um, is probably the best. Yeah. Um, there are many different brands. Some of them taste like you're eating paper, but um, because they use various different ways to duplicate creating a pasta that's a gluten free. I'm also gluten free um, for a lot of the gluten free craze that's going on. Um, that's vegan um, for the vegan craze that's going on. Um, you want to be able to superpower your food. So a lot of people ask me about my veganism. They go, hey, hey man, where are you getting the protein? I'm like, dude, I probably eat more protein than meat eaters because of the different foods that I choose to eat. So, you know, I'll go back to watching documentaries here and then talking to you about chickpea pasta. Always trying to learn, Xavier. Xavier Post with us. Always trying to learn, right? And That's I right. thought it was actually a learning moment that turned into kind of a mocking moment around the NFL draft. Can you tell people about there was a dude in Pittsburgh who was very fired up about a player in the draft. He happened to see a horseshoe tattooed on his left arm, the raised horseshoe. And he's like, oh, anyone who's got a horseshoe is my kind of guy. And immediately there were a lot of folks, African-Americans on Twitter who were like, I guess you don't know where that's from and what that means. One of the things we see in social media, people are so so ready to to jump in and weigh on something for, for clout without really, really understanding what something actually means. Um, and so, and I think that there was a, there was a, there was a, sports guy um i never really knew of him at the time but he, he put a post up of of a player that was drafted and uh and it was basically of a a, a brand of a mega sci-fi which is an 110 year old fraternity um uh, his name is uh, rick fish um never really heard of rick fish but he is uh i guess he's a Steelers junkie um but he put this on and he and it was about it was Kendrick Drink, Green when he was when he was drafted. He, he's going to be a tough guy. What well, number one? You're, you're just having a brand on your arm. You're going to be a tough guy. I mean, that's just <laughs> what, what does it actually mean? Right. Uh, the second thing he was was his ignorance about the Mega Sci-Fi, which is an, uh, one of the oldest um, was part of Divine Nine, one of the oldest black fraternities and sororities um, that they were founded on the fact that many. African Americans could not get into a white sorority or fraternity, so they started their own. Same way with, uh, with historically black colleges, universities, and they have a rich tradition in terms, in terms of um, in terms of public service, in terms of leadership. Um, we have so many different members of, of Mega Sci Fi that are, are in our entertainment and our politics, um, and so I just think that he just responded initially when people started talking to him. And he was he was just hey, um, you know. I'm, I stand by what I said, you know, and then he doubled down on his ignorance. And I think that's one of the big parts we, parts we see when people are, are hey, I'm going to give you something that's factual, but I'm gonna, now I'm going to get upset and I'm going to double down and be ignorant. I think that's some of the issues we see um, 
Uh, and that, that and that was the, probably the biggest part of what happened. And so, I mean, baby, uh, uh, there's so many different people that were 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 were, were Omega Sci-Fi. I mean, M- Michael Jordan. I mean, uh, I mean, we can go on and on. So many of the 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 famous people that have made a Sci-Fi. So. Um, I mean, that's a that's a really famous fraternity. He just he just dropped the ball on it. So he did come around though. I just want to make sure he did okay, come around and good. learn. And I I think it's also important, you know, uh, Shaq, uh, some famous uh, alumni, it, to, to mention as well. So these really pretty uh, Earl Graves. I mean, these are pretty important names that, you, that are our famous alumni: Jesse Jackson, Vernon Jordan, uh, Reverend Benjamin Hooks. So I think we're ahead on this story because I think it's going to blow up when the Olympics finally come around. Uh, did you see the Tokyo Summer Olympics? They have banned any sort of BLM gear, signs, anything with the athletes. Don't say BLM. It's Black Lives Matter. I think when people say BLM, they use it. You know, it's it's used to to not really address the real issue is the fact that the unjust treatment of of black people in America and what the United States. Uh, and of uh, baby international bodies don't want is our country looking and being embarrassed on a on an international stage <laughs> with Black Lives Matter and the issues that go on here and and what it could mean to other countries and how they they perceive America. Um, but the Juan Carlos, John Carlos, and six throwing his, his fist in the air in the '68 Olympics um, by the unjust treatment of African-Americans. If I'm an African-American athlete, there are so many different ways to get around just Black Lives Matter to represent black people. You don't have to just say Black Lives Matter. You could just you could say anything to be able to make sure that you are standing up for for black people. And heck, if 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 the the pushback is so strong, don't go to the Olympics. If your country is so dead set on making sure you don't represent the what's going on in the country, don't go. I mean, it's really that simple. Um, I doubt that you can't, on one hand, um, say represent America, but you don't represent the fullness of what America is all about. Xavier Pope's with us. He's our legal analyst on Thursdays. Uh, I've dubbed him a cultural analyst. I just made that up. So when people on Twitter go at you and they're like, why are you called that? He didn't, like, Xavier didn't label himself anything. That's just stuff I say about him. So dial it down. There was some moron late night last week going at you, and I thought it was really ridiculous. All right, we got to pay some bills here. We'll come back. On the way back, we're going to uh, deal with some Pope Stradamus predictions. And Justin Fields to your town, Chicago. The Bears have drafted a quarterback. Maybe they finally have the right guy. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Love this conversation every Thursday. Xavier Pope is with us. All right. I know you watched the draft. I know this was a gigantic deal in Chicago. The Bears got aggressive. You remember the Bears sent out a picture of Andy Dalton, QB1. I saw you relabel it QB2. I'm not sure if that's the case yet. Justin Fields to the Bears. I'm still in shock, Steve. The whole city's in shock. Every time I talk to someone, they're like, I I can't believe this is actually happening. I mean, now, after 70 years, Sid Luckman, he can rest – in his grave, knowing that there has been a successor. 
Um, his Chicago has been historically known for not being able to put a guy behind a center who can throw the ball, who can lead a team, and that is a franchise guy. Um, we even we haven't we even we even, we haven't even had any really good attempts to do so. That's the worst part about it. Uh, is, is I mean we've had you know the Chad Hutchinsons and the and, and the Rex Grossmans and the you know just every every journeyman you could think of. They love they come through Chicago and they don't do well. And Andy Dalton was going to be another one of the names in the. Um, in the annals of average bear quarterbacks, and and Justin Fields, he has something to prove too. He he, he was you know should have been drafted second or third in the draft. He wanted to keep dropping the Bears at eleven. The Bears get aggressive, uh, make a trade with the Giants. Um, and, um, their their GM Gettleman is getting a lot of praise for the moves he's made in that draft with that team, but. Um, gets the, the Bears the guy that they want and a black quarterback in Chicago. It's just something that just you know we hadn't seen. And Chicago really had a makeup. They drafted you know uh, a guy who no one really thought should have gone get, gone that high. And you know they wound up getting burned with two exceptional quarterbacks in, in that draft. Um, and wound up one goes on to win a Super Bowl. Um, and now that they the Bears want to fumble that again. Yep, Trubisky, total disaster. Uh, now on to Buffalo and Mahomes yeah. and Deshaun Watson going after him. Xavier Pope is with us. So let's put on the uh, cloak of Pope Stradamus. Uh, what do you think will happen to Aaron Rodgers in his dealings with the Green Bay Packers? He's mad. There's a rift. It sounds very personal. He just called the GM, Jerry Krause, suggesting that, hey, this guy's just like Krause. He's going to break up the Packers too early. He's forcing me out. I predicted this, predicted this a couple months ago. I said that I didn't think Aaron Rodgers might not play in Green Bay in 2021. Um, the draft has happened, though. I'm, I'm intrigued as to what will happen now. It, it will take some significant moves in order to, to move Aaron Rodgers and where, and where will he go. And a lot of teams are moving around now. So um, my initial prediction would, if that would happen, would have happened before the draft or during the draft. We haven't seen that happen. So, um Aaron Rodgers taking some hits, um, which un- which just seems really weird. Um, but I think that Aaron Rodgers is one of the first white quarterbacks that stood up for social justice, and I think some of the some of the criticism he's taken is a little bit unwarranted. Oh, really? Yeah. What do you yeah. do? You think that's do you think that's motivating? I'm not going to say that's motivating Terry Bradshaw. You think that is motivating? Because I'm actually shocked that some Packers fans have turned this quickly on Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if that is actually part of the mix that they've been a little annoyed with him since he stood up and made some statements. It was a it was a Sports Illustrated piece that he did, I think, a, a year or so ago, that he was one of the first white athletes to really step up. And he said that more white athletes needed to step up and speak for for a cause for social justice. And I think that was a that was a big deal. And then, you know, and then you had a, a city like Green Bay that really does looks, a, you know, their politics are a little bit different from the politics that Aaron Rodgers supports. So I think that that is something to really um, to consider. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is. Time is sour in Green Bay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's really a sustainable situation anymore. Xavier Pope is with us. All right. I'm going to flip the page completely. And uh, uh, you know what? Because I say it, Xavier's an expert on everything. He has an opinion on everything, and you need to value it. So stop tweeting at him, like I said. Um, I saw an interesting tweet from ESPN personality reporter Diana Rossini, right? So she's recently married within the last year, 
and she tweeted out, I really want to see what your interpretation of this is because there's a lot of ways to look at this. Diana Rossini sent out, just one morning, I'd like my husband to start our day with hello, good morning, and not with what's for dinner tonight. She said it's 528 in the morning. What do you what do you think what do you think is happening there? Is this is this toxic femininity or is this male dumbassery? I think it's uh, male dumbassery. I mean and I think but also I think part of it is I think the dumbassery is the interpretation more so than in the the actual relationship. I think their relationship is probably a little bit of ribbing going back and forth, making fun of each other, probably put something on Twitter and then the problem is that because people will have opinions on these issues, particularly about women's rights and, and, and women's equality, that there's going to be some opinions that people have about that in terms of what what, the, what that, that relationship is and what the relationship is that women and men and women have. But what happens in a relationship is I always like to say between what happens between two people in a relationship is between them. And if it, it doesn't if it's not abusive if it's not harmful, that it's really none of our business what those people do. Whatever floats your boat, go ahead and, and spin the wheel and, and go with it. But that's not that's none of my business. Hmm. Yeah, this morning I asked the uh, my girlfriend, the significant other, as I call her, on the air. Um, I, I, I did not ask about dinner. I was afraid. Um, <laughs> we want to do that, so we, did, we just talked about our cats. You're a smart man, Steve. If you are a man... <laughs> And you want to ask a woman about dinner at breakfast? You may not. You you you, you may not be, be sleeping in the same bed that later on that night. Just, well, just a tip for you from Pope Stradamus. Here's here's hey Pope Stradamus. Here's the truth though: is that I actually uh, I make dinner about eighty percent of the time. So so if I'm asking what's for dinner, it's more of a it's more of a request like hey, what do you want? What do I need to pick up? But you're right. Uh, people wouldn't know that because uh, it's really. None of your business. I guess uh, in Rossini's case, she put it out there, so I thought it was an interesting conversation. So yeah. let's talk about let's uh, Xavier. Let's talk about another big personality, and I, I you know I'm mixed on this one. Story comes down that uh, Clay Travis, who's on our Fox station, we have a, a Fox affiliate in our group, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM, and he does a good job hosting the national morning show on FSR. Um, certainly gets a lot of attention. He's got a lot of opinions. It looks like he's just cashed in. I don't know how big the deal is, but Fox Corporate has purchased Clay Travis's OutKick. Now, on one hand, I admire what Clay Travis has built here because he sort of went independent when he wasn't happy with uh, terrestrial radio. They weren't paying him what he thought he deserved. He went independent. He's collected in, you know employees. He's brought people in. He's got a legit company here. We, we know about the, the weird beef with Jason Whitlock and how that didn't work out. Should we celebrate his success because he went outside the norm and built something and made a lot of money? Or is this a terrible sign? Because a lot of what Clay Travis cashes in on is kind of that white male grievance thing. Uh, do we look at this as blood money? Uh, I've, I've mixed opinions about this. Um, I, I'm, an, I'm a nuanced guy, as you know. First, as a as a as a lawyer who is in media, um, Clay Travis was a lawyer, got into media, got into journalism, um, was able to parlay his voice and to be able to create his own lane and create his own business. So, as someone who's in the lane that's doing the thing, same things that Clay Travis is doing, um, I I admire the the business aspect of what he's doing in terms of how to be able to create your own lane. Um, lawyers are independent in how they think anyway. And so I'm not surprised that he would create that for himself. So um, someone like him um, 
is intriguing. I, I'm, I've been studying what he's been doing because I want, I'm modeling some of this after myself and some of the, only, the things that I'm doing. And so um, from that standpoint, okay, I see what you're doing. From another standpoint, um, I look at it as uh, from a business standpoint, there is an audience for my white male grievance politics in this country. And there is, there are, there are certain people who just like, you want to buy, you know, meat, eat meat. And if you want to buy, you know, shoes that look a certain way, you buy shoes that look a certain way. We have there is a marketplace for the ideas that he that he talks about and creates. And so he deserves the right to be able to create and feed that audience. Um, and I, I mean, I, who am I to tell him not to say this is a free country to do whatever he wants. That all being said, um, Clay Travis, I think, is a bigot. I mean, he was he. One of the first people that on April 5th, I remember the exact date, April 5th of 2020, he put out a tweet saying that coronavirus is not an issue and that it would go away soon. And he proved to be extremely wrong about what happened. And so you also have a certain segment of the media, people who take dollars for themselves to be able to buffer themselves up, but at the expense of their audiences and making keeping them ignorant to be able to continue to have and foster certain ideas that are damaging to the to the communities that we live in and contribute to sometimes unjust laws, unjust, uh, unjust things that are happening in, in, in the world. And there's a response to, frankly, if, if there was no racism, if there was no injustice, Clay Travis would be broke. <laughs> it's a hell of a business, right? It's a hell of a business. Now, along the similar lines, I don't think Joe Rogan is doing what Clay Travis does. But Rogan did a lot of the same things in terms of going outside the norm, developing this podcast brand. He gets a deal with Spotify, $100 million. Now, just like Doc Travis, as we call him, uh, doctor, but not really, um, Joe Rogan has influence. And Rogan had an interesting conversation about 10 days ago where he talked about the vaccine, said that really kids shouldn't uh, be getting it if they're fine. Young people don't need to be getting it. He got a rash of crap. Because he's getting more attention now that he's on Spotify, and the media is watching what he's doing. The mainstream—I don't, you know, I'm not going to use mainstream media. The media uh, and people just watching on social media. So he got a rash of crap. He then comes back and says, "I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me," which is is weird because that's a—it's a retraction. But Rogan has to know one: we know he's not an idiot, and two: dude, people are listening to you. You can't throw out the statement on your vastly popular podcast and then just go, my bad, don't listen to me. Yeah, so you can ask certain questions from, uh, this is from a legal standpoint, on a stand versus with a witness and the judge strikes it from the record, but the jury still hears it. Um, so when you throw something out like that, regardless of whether you, the retraction, the apology, no one ever cares about the apology or the retraction. They only care about the original thing that you said, particularly if it lines up with their politics. And I think that what happened with Joe Rogan is he said something that was really stupid, but it, so it, even if he cleared it up, it doesn't matter. It still feeds into the ignorance that people still have. And so it, like, it's, it's like the, what you see in football, the, the you know, two, two players are playing at for, Fighting and the flag is thrown and is at the second punch. And but the the original is original blow is already done. And I think that what's happened with Joe Rogan, he, he doesn't necessarily have the same politics as as Clay Travis, but he is an uninformed person. And so what we're having is people that are uninformed being treated like they're giving information, but when in fact they're just entertaining people. 
Um, we saw this with Dominion Software, with Newsmax had to retract, you know, some of the things they said. Well, people are listening to what Newsmax had to say in, in, in terms of the, the voter and election fraud. It's actually had a real impact on how people see the election in 2020. And so when you're putting out misinformation and disinformation, it's really hard to walk that back once it's out there. Let's close on this one on the vaccine. We've been talking about this, you know, well before all of this came down the pike about businesses and workers and can you force people to take the vaccine? Do they have a choice? What are the repercussions? I think the Lakers situation, Xavier, and we're talking to Xavier Pope, is really interesting. So Anthony Davis came out the other day and said, yeah, I got it. You know, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I, wanna, I want us to win. I want us to do well. And I want to get 20,000 people back in Staples. Well, it appears that Dennis Schroeder, the point guard, did not get vaccinated. He's on the COVID list. This one is very complicated in, in my mind. Like, I, again, I don't want to sit here and go, you know, you have to take the vaccine. You do what you want. But, again, there could be repercussions here. Um, and I'm still not sure if LeBron got the vaccine. So I just wonder about this whole thing of trying to win championships. LeBron's older. You're a teammate of LeBron. Like, what do we do with Dennis Schroeder? What do we do in general at companies around uh, this country where you're like, hey, we just want to get back to work and be productive and achieve at a high level, but you don't want to be part of the effort? Number one, we still live in America. You can't make people get vaccines. It's that simple. Number two, people's private health decisions are between them and their doctor. So we know we want, um, yes, that butts up against the aspect of this being a public health issue and that we all have a responsibility to keep each other safe. But that still is undergirded by the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Um, I think it's really important to understand that. And it's, 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 these answers aren't always easy. And it's not, it's not the, 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 clean, the clearest answer possible. But we have to recognize that we live in a, a free society and people are free to choose whatever they want. They are protected from their private decision making process. You could absolutely pressure people and say you should do this for and be better at what you're doing. I mean, there's there, you're not going to have a CBA that says get get a vac- get vaccinated. You're not going to have enough guys to vote on it because people have different opinions about it. And so, without a CBA, without it being mandated by law, be, with all the different protections we have in freedom, you're going to have situations like this where you don't have a clean cut answer. And the Lakers are they may be in the, in the playing tournament in a couple of weeks. I tweeted about this. You know, they are sitting there with 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 Portland and with Dallas. And they may be forced to be in a play-in game. And the Lakers may not make the playoffs, Steve. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. All right, well, we'll close on a good note. I think I uh, was convinced earlier in the conversation to uh, try a little chickpea pasta. So I will be texting the significant other and then tell her that uh, Bonza, I'm going to try it on Xavier's advice. And I hope it's good, man. I'm trying to stay away from pasta. I hope it's good. Yeah, try chickpea pasta. Try the rotini. That's the best one I think they have. They have a really great spaghetti, but the rotini is the best. Xavier, you're the best. We'll talk to you, buddy. Love you, man. Talk to you soon. There he is, Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago. You can find him on Twitter, at Xavier Pope. Up next, we get to the NBA. We're going to talk to former NBA player Jerome Williams. The junkyard dog is up with Cofield and company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. We are the New York Knicks. Cofield and Company is back. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. Say go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. Well, just like that. 
Took a long time for those words to apply. Long time. They are back in the mix. The Knicks. We've got Jerome Williams on the horn. He does the uh, Big Apple Buckets podcast for the New York Post. He also played for the Knicks and was in the league for 10 years. Is a, a local owner now of a basketball team. JYD is up. What's up, buddy? Steven Adam, what's happening, man? What's going down? What's up, man? What did you think of that song, by the way? <laughs> Dog pounds in the building, you know. Uh, I, I, you know, the New York Knicks song has always been a, a staple from Swiss Beats uh, to other rappers uh, coming to the table and uh, giving those famous lyrics, man. But, you know, it's far and few between with all the, the losses that they sustained over the last decade and not being able to make the playoffs. But you know what? They're back. They're back in it. I mean, are they? How how real do you feel like this is? Well, I mean, look at their record. I mean, they, you know, if you're not battling for the, you know, the eighth, eighth through tenth spot, you know, you're legit. Um, obviously, the playoffs are a different ball game, and obviously, you know, you got to get there to experience that. But at the end of the day, you know, they're they're beating teams that are playoff bound, and you know, you got to wait with the playoffs uh, play out. But with a veteran coach like Thibodeau, you know, he's been there. He knows how to prepare his team. And uh, I think that, you know, depending on the matchups, they could, they could definitely uh, get, a, get, a, get a few wins in the playoffs. Aside from Tibbs, Jerome, why has this happened? What are the big reasons why it's happened? You know, the huge re- reason is Julius Randle. Um, Julius Randle has had a tremendous year this year. Um definitely in the in the MVP conversation uh, I put him at the bottom half but you have to put his name up there with the numbers that he's produced all season long uh, he's taking big shots when the team has needed it he's anchored their defense and he's you know he's a bully he's a bully of the East Coast um, in the way that he plays uh, point forward and that bruiser type basketball and then being able to stretch the floor and make threes and he's been uh, able to distribute the ball to his teammates so He's a huge reason. Second reason is the acquisition of Derrick Rose. Uh, that was a huge trade that really uh, brought in, you know, a, a key asset, a uh, player that has played played in New York, a player that has uh, had good, some of his best years with Tom Thibodeau. Um, so that relationship was already there. And I see the two of them built around the nucleus of R.J. Barrett quickly and others. Um has definitely made this team something to watch. And, you know, New York has been off the stage for so long. It's just good to have them in the conversation. Got some work to do down the stretch, though. Uh, what, six games left, two games out of the play-in. Uh, you do not want to be in the play-in. I want your opinion of the, the play-in tournament. New feature, and there are a lot of players around the league who are currently sitting in the play-in who are like, this is stupid. What do you think of it? Heck, I would have loved to have the play-in. Any chance to get extra dollars is, is where I want to be. Um and especially, you know, when you're battling for those those last uh, few spots. I remember um, my years in Chicago and in New York, we would have been in the play-in. Um, and we were two, three games out of, uh, you know, uh, sixth place. So, for me, I would have definitely enjoyed it because that, that would have gave me the opportunity. And anything could happen in the playoffs. So, that's the best part about it. That's the voice of Jerome Williams, junkyard dog, played in the NBA for uh, 10 years, was with the Knicks and in Detroit and Toronto and Chicago. And now you're an owner. So you got to tell us about the Vegas Ballers. Where are you guys right now in the season, and why did you jump into this project? 
oh man, the CBL, the basketball league, was uh, approaching me about uh, having teams in the in the league. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity to allow my son to learn about the business of basketball. A lot of times, you know, growing up, they just see us as players, and I wanted him to wrap his head around being an owner and understanding the business of basketball, just like I had to learn it um, in the NBA. And the sooner the better, because these kids are talented, but at the same time, they never learn the the business. Um, That's going to be tough. So, He's uh, sweeping floors. He's gone out and uh, gotten sponsorship. And Jeremiah is, uh, you know, learning how to manage schoolwork and, and, you know, running a team. And that's, uh, that's, that's what I wanted him uh, to experience. And, you know, for, for young athletes, that's, uh, that's a critical uh, thing to be able to do outside of just you know, dribbling basketball and shooting threes and making layups. They have to learn that there's a marketing to this. There's a there's a dynamic to all of these things, and the important the importance of knowing how to do it is uh, important. And I wanted to make sure he had that opportunity. Well, Jerome, I've been out there and I've seen I've seen firsthand how involved he is and how active he is in in, in learning this. But it's important to know, like when we say your son, we're not talking about like a college kid. How old is he? Oh, well, you know, he's 11 years old, you know. <laughs> exactly. And I and I started working at when I was 11. So at the end of the day, you know, he, you know, you got to get out there and learn how to how to create for yourself. You know, nothing on this earth is promised and you know, it's hard for parents to teach those those kinds of uh attributes to our kids, but I figure if it's something that he loves to do, you know, we can force it. And so does he like to, you know, wash jerseys and and pick up towels? Well, not necessarily, but at the end of the day, he'll appreciate um, these things later on, like like I did. I I appreciated all aspects of the business of basketball when I was actually getting the check for it. And and once you do get a check for it, that's a huge blessing. So you gotta, you gotta kind of, you know, really appreciate everybody that's um, involved. And that's basically what he's learning. He's learning how there's so many, so many people involved in the Vegas Ballers organization, um, from the people who sell tickets, the people who do, um, you know, the the advertising for the team and the sponsorships, and the community work that goes into it. Um, it's all a big that. You you picked up on the business side of basketball pretty early on in your career. Who who was it that kind of showed you the ropes? Well, you know, David Stern, uh, former NBA, uh, rest in peace. Um, he actually gave our draft class in 1996 the opportunity to have an internship with the NBA. Um, I was one of the few players who took advantage of that internship, and I interned with Adam Silver and a guy by the name of Steve Mills, who became the president of MSG and the New York Knicks. So not too, many, not too bad a, a <laughs> company to be interning with, um, just, you know, before they, their futures became their futures. And that, that taught me a lot about the business of the game. And that's what I learned. And, you know, when you get nicknamed the Junkyard Dog and you have the inside scoop on how to, how to leverage that and make that work, 
um, it's a benefit to you, and it's been a benefit to me my whole career. And that's why the dog pound is still barking. <laughs> There you go. And it's <laughs> it, it's definitely barking during those uh, Vegas Ballers games. C- kind of tell people what level of basketball this is. You go out there; it's some really, really good talent that you see on the floor. Uh, so, what level is this, and and how can people come check it out? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely G League level. Ninety five percent of the players on our team have either played in the G League or overseas. They're they're true professionals. These aren't um, you know uh, below bargain level basement players who are trying to look. Play, I mean, you know, Roscoe Smith was, you know, had a stint with the Lakers, um, and then and you have other players on our team that have played in the G League as well. So um, these guys have hopes of continuing their basketball career. Um, some might even have um, an opportunity to play uh, for NBA summer league team or you know make a 15 man roster. Um, but it's all about their you know their path and what they're able to do with their career as far as basketball is concerned. But the G League, uh, the, the TBL and the Vegas Ballers, they, this is a platform where, you know, I'm looking at the next generation of, you know, semi-pro players. Um, you know, they're not getting paid a lot, but at the end of the day, their opportunity lines right up with the NBA Summer League and getting, getting trials for the G League. So that's what, that's what we're looking at. Because in the in the new NIL with the NCAA, nobody knows what that landscape is going to look like. But we do know that high school players and 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 college players will be able to get paid off of their name, image, and likeness. And there's no bigger sport for name, image, and likeness than basketball. You know, there's no bigger sport. Football, baseball, soccer—they all rival NBA players in terms of their marketability. Um, from a global perspective. So the earlier, the better that these players get opportunities and the more opportunities that are out there, the better. And you got overtime uh, now paying six figures to high school uh, juniors and seniors um, coming next year. That's huge. So you look at, you look at that landscape and you look at the laws being changed, um, you know, primarily uh, this summer, there's going to be a lot of uh, shifting, and I think that you know, by my son owning the team and seeing this shift and being witness to it, uh, he'll start to learn early on all the value that uh, he has from a basketball perspective, but then overall perspective of um, making things happen. We're talking about the Vegas Ballers. Jerome Williams is on Cofield and Company. Jerome, of course, played at Georgetown and then the NBA for. Uh, 10 years. All right, we got to close on this. We've got about a minute left. Uh, tell us uh, where you guys play, uh, what's coming up on the schedule, and uh, how do you get tickets? Yeah, so we play at uh, Tarkanian Basketball Facility um, on the Ball Dogs Court. And, we, uh, and you know, our games are on the weekends on Friday and generally either Saturday or Sunday. This Friday we play at uh, 2.30. Game tips off at 2.30 at Tark. Uh, so you can definitely bring your, you know, your kids out to come check us out. We have we're being coached by Coach Hollywood, uh, James Hollywood Robinson, uh, played for the Portland Trail Blazers and Keith Starr, former head coach of uh, uh, associate head coach of UNLV under Tark and played for the Chicago Bulls. So we got a great staff of um, knowledgeable pros that uh, really are giving back to the community and love what they do. 
guys to the next level. So come on and support us. Uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, great time for the kids, like I said, and a uh, great time for the community to get together and watch some good basketball, playing against uh, teams like the San Diego uh, Guardians, um, the uh, Sacramento Sea Kings, and others. Um, so it's, it's really a good atmosphere. Uh, super important. You mentioned the kids. It's kid friendly. So much so that uh, we got to tell Roscoe Smith, the former UNLV player, you got to watch the language, bro. Got to watch the language, Roscoe. Don't get too fired up. <laughs> yeah, you got to got to tone it down. Make sure you uh, you know keep it keep it family friendly, and uh, that's what this league is all about. Um, he's got a few technical fouls that he had to tend to, um, so you know hopefully that 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 helps the situation. Uh, last thing, I love the mascot more than anything. I know your uh, uh, your son was in it. Can we get my co-host Steve Cofield in the mascot one day? Oh, absolutely! Tell him to come down. Uh, Jeremiah's been looking for an alternate when he uh, doesn't jump in the suit, and uh, we'd love to have him. Uh, we definitely need somebody to pump up the crowd. Uh, we've had good energy, you know, TJs, and we even have a dance team of, oh, wow. of UNLV students. Well, interns from UNLV that really are, you know, helping out the whole process of the Vegas Ballers. So we'd love to have another mascot. So let's get them in there. <laughs> Jerome, thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Shout out to the dog pound. <laughs> there you go. Jerome Williams, JYD. Yeah, uh, Roscoe Smith actually uh, got teed up a couple of times because he blocked a couple of shots and said, get that S out of here. Oh, they yeah. were like, can't curse. Not allowed to curse. Yeah. It's a very family-friendly environment. It's a, it's a really cool time. I've been to almost every home game so far, so um, it's been exciting, and uh, the level of competition is really, really good. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.